You're listening to a Richwood Church podcast. The Jordan River at springtime floods a lot. It gets over its banks and it makes it difficult to cross. On a normal day, it's not really all that formidable. I mean, it's only about 11 feet across on the average. You can almost touch the other side, only 3 to 10 feet deep. But when it floods, it can expand to as much as a half a mile in width. And that water runs hard. It runs hard from Mount Hermon in the north all the way down to Dead Sea in the south. And so once again, the people of Israel had a formidable a piece of water that they had to cross. And I had a hard time finding an, a picture or an image that would help you understand, but this is the Jordan. And you can see it's not a docile river at all. It comes flying down, and you can imagine this horde of Israelites standing there thinking, how are we going to get across that? And they had that same discussion, I'm sure, at the Red Sea when Moses was leading them forward. For one generation is the Red Sea, and another generation is the Jordan River. They had to trust to cross into what God has for them. And you know, it's easy to trust when everything's going well, when our children are doing well in school, when they're walking with God, when, when the doctor says what he always says to me, Paul, you're in amazing shape. It's easy to trust. It's easy to trust when we're able to pay the bills or we're the most popular student in school. And as a church, sometimes we get comfortable and, we, yeah, sure we can trust. We have all of our friends that we want. The, the, the church is serving us well. But that's not always the way life works. Sometimes we're walking blind. Sometimes we're stumbling. And then all of a sudden, God comes along and, and He gives us some crazy command and we look at him and we say, what? This? Now? <laughs> and then he whispers in our ear, yes, that. And don't worry, you can do it because I am with you. And so this morning, I want you to know that you can believe in the promises of God. You can depend on the promises of God. And as Richwood Church looks at our future, which is going to take faith to get there, to cross our Jordan River, we need to trust. We need to know that even though it looks like a foreboding future, it is scary, not risky, that we can go because God is with us. And this morning, I want us all to learn that there are blessings waiting, but we have to boldly trust even when we can't see the other side. So I want you to take your Bibles, if you would. We're going to turn to the book of Joshua this morning. We're in chapter 3 now, and we're going to be beginning in verse 1. Joshua 3, 1. If you want to grab a Bible that's in the seat back in front of you, this is on page 179. You can also use your Ridgewood app, and just go to Media Study Guide and go to today's date. So Joshua 3, beginning in verse 1. Now, Israel has finally arrived at the place that they were moving to all along. They were near the promised land, but they would have to trust God to get it. And so, so far in the book of Joshua, Joshua has been put in charge. 
the, the first chapter is a death notice. Moses is gone, Joshua's in charge, and then there's incredible encouragement. Don't worry, be strong, be courageous, for I am with you. And then in chapter 2, there's an amazing story of the two spies that go into Jericho and, and, they, and Rahab, the prostitute, protects them. And we're going to allude to that more next week. But now here in chapter 3, they are nearing the banks of the river. Everything is ahead of them, but they would have to be bold. So look at 3.1. Then Joshua rose early in the morning, and they set out from Shittim, and that's about seven miles from the riverbank. And they came to the Jordan, he and all the people of Israel, and lodged there before they passed over. And so, if you want to just look at a map, those of you who are familiar with the area, for some it might not mean a lot, but here they are. They're right just to the right side of what is now Jordan. Here's the uh, Jordan River, and they would have to come here seven miles and then cross, and here's Jericho, which would be their first conquest. But you can see it's right in the very south part of Israel. Hebron is down here where the patriarchs are buried, and very few groups can even visit there anymore because you're getting so close to the Gaza Strip. You're about 20 miles from the Gaza there. So they're in the very deepest part of, of Israel, and they're going to cross this place. The, the river's swollen. There's two to three million of them which is the size of the metro, if you can imagine that, and they're going to try to get across. It doesn't sound like a great strategy, especially when you consider there's an enemy waiting for them on the other side. But it goes to show that we are called to trust even when God's command seems impossible to accomplish. And I'll, I'll be honest with you, the best commands are the ones that are impossible <laughs> because that drives us to trust. It drives us to go beyond ourselves. It, it, it leads us into the arms of God. And here's Joshua, this chosen leader who had been the apprentice of Moses. And in chapter 1, we learn that the people, because they trusted God, were putting their trust in Joshua. This is 16 and 17. And they answered Joshua, all that you have commanded us, we will do. And wherever you send us, we will go. Just as we obeyed Moses in all things, so we will obey you. Only may the Lord your God be with you as he was with Moses. Stamp of approval on Joshua's leadership, but really what they were doing is they're trusting Yahweh. And that's what we have to do. We have to learn to trust. God used Moses to free them from Egypt, but now it was Joshua's turn to lead them across the Jordan. And what's so often true about God is He brings the right people at the right time in order to do the impossible. And I believe that you, me, and our board, our staff, we've all been called together for this moment in time. It's not a random event that we're all sitting here together and God knows it's hard to restore a facility. He, he knows that we have limited resources. He, he knows that it's hard. I mean, let's be frank. We live in a wealthy part of the Twin Cities, and it's hard to minister to the wealthy because they don't think they need anything. God knows that's hard, but guess what? He's called us together to follow Him, to, to step into the water, to start walking, to experience faith. 
And I think that's exciting. Even when God's command seems impossible. And we can go together. Now God knew that, like me, these people of Israel got skittish a lot. And in one moment, I can be going, God, yeah, I believe in you 100%, man. Let's go get them. And then five minutes later, it's like, oh, my goodness. We can't do that. And, 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 and so here's what he did. He, he looked at them and he said, I'm going to give you a sign. I'm going to give you a symbol so that you know that I'm with you. And he gave them the Ark of the Covenant. And what he was saying to them is, we can trust a leader. We can trust God that never leads us astray. God will never let us down. And if you look at verses 2 and 3 here, at the end of three days, the officers went through the camp and commanded the people, as soon as you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God being carried by the Levitical priests, then you shall set out from your place and follow it. The Ark was the sign. When they saw the ark, it was go time. And it really, really is significant that the ark appears here. It is carried by the Levitical priests, which is always what happens. The Levites were the line of priests. Its normal place of residence, if you want to call it that, was the temple or tabernacle in the Holy of Holies. And here's what makes this so amazing and so significant. The ark of the covenant held the Ten Commandments. It was a covenantal sign from God. This, this is the people that had received the promise to the patriarchs that they were going to get this land. And then the gospel's written all over this because this is the mercy seat. This is where the, the high priest would go into the Holy of Holies once a year and he would sprinkle blood on there and it would atone for the sin of Israel. And guess what it foreshadowed? The coming Messiah, Jesus Christ. The gospel's written all over this crossing. And then you have Joshua, who is a type of or a foreshadowing of Christ, who takes his people from the desert, from wandering across into their promised land. And soon Messiah would come, Jesus Christ, who would take his people from the darkness and desert of sin and death and lead them across into paradise, into a new life in Christ, because Jesus would come, and he would, he would be that final sacrifice. There wouldn't be a need for this Ark of the Covenant anymore, because Jesus went to the cross, and he carried all sin onto himself. And through faith in him, we can have eternal life. We can cross over into a new life. So, you have this covenantal promise. You have the gospel written all over this crossing. And it would take faith and trust in order for them to get across. If you look at verse 4, the people were commanded to stay behind the ark about three quarters of a mile. Why? So they could all see it. That was their sign. That was their hope. It was, it was their flashlight as they went across. That way they would know that God is faithful. And it's important to remember that God is faithful even when He leads us to these really dark valleys and really high mountains and rivers that seem too difficult to cross. 
That's when we learn to trust. And we, and we ask them questions and we say, how am, I, how am I supposed to get through this chemo treatment again? I don't want to go back there. I can't do this anymore. But he's, he's calling us to trust. Or, or that child that we just can't relate to isn't listening to us, walking away, and we can say, it seems too hard, but we can trust. Or that spouse that we have to live with, even though he or she has no interest in us, or God, and we have to stay there day after day, and we have to try to be a light for Christ. And we say, I can't do this anymore. And God is saying, yes, you can, because I am with you. And that's what the ark was for this people. It was a beckoning to trust. Now, we don't have an Ark of the Covenant anymore. But we do have the Bible. And the Bible is a guide that we can use to take us across because this has everything that God has chosen to reveal about Himself. If you don't know the Bible, you're not going to know God. We have brothers and sisters that walk alongside of us. We have we have mentors that walk with us now. I, I was just going back and forth with a mentor this week. They're just a wonderful gift. And then we also have the history of the saints that have gone before us that we can study and learn from. When's the last time you read a biography about a believer that had to trust and did and what God did through that person? And so... The amazing thing about this experience for Israel is that it was all about God. It wasn't about them. And listen, Ridgewood Church, we, we can learn from our own experience that God is faithful. I mean, look at the lanterns. That's 44 new souls this year. That's amazing. Look at, look at what's happening around us, the newness, the, the unity, the plastic. We love plastic now. We love not having to park at MME. We, we love not having to walk from the bank. But look what God is doing. And so when he calls us to go to the, the river, just look around. Say, yes, we can do that. Of course we can do that because God is on our side. The ark was ahead of them. God was ahead of them. God is ahead of us. And he's giving Impossible commands that we can follow. But now, the rubber was about to hit the road. Now Israel had to decide. Would they go and inherit the land? Would they stop because they were afraid? Well, in verse 5, they're told to go consecrate yourselves. That's a, the Jewish rites of purity. And that meant that wonders were about to happen. And then in 6 through 13... God speaks again to Joshua, and he assures the people that God would drive their enemies from their land. They had no proof of that. They were going on trust. And now they were about to discover that bold trust is never wasted. Because God always makes a way. He always makes a way. The day of the crossing finally came. They're... they're they're, they're packing up the tents. The, the priests come and they, and they get the ark and they go to the Jordan. And I can only imagine, you know, you're, let's say you're one of these priests, you're carrying the ark and you, you know you got to carry it the perfect way or, or you get struck dead. We, we read that in the Old Testament. That's a rough deal, man. It's like a hard job. So 
Now they come to the Jordan. It's a half a mile wide. It's rushing. And they put their foot in the water because they were the leaders and they needed to lead. And then God started doing miracles. Look at 14 through 17. So when the people set out from their tents to pass over the Jordan with the priests bearing the Ark of the Covenant before the people, and as soon as those bearing the Ark had come as far as the Jordan, and the feet of the priests bearing the Ark were dipped in the bank of the water, or the brink of the water, now the Jordan overflows all its banks throughout the time of harvest. The waters coming down from above stood and rose up in a heap far away at Adam, the city that is beside Zarathon, that's to the north, and those flowing down toward the Sea of Arabah, the, south, the Salt Sea, the Dead Sea, were completely cut off. And the people passed over opposite Jericho. Now the priest bearing the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord stood firmly on dry ground, not muddy ground, not difficult ground to trend. No, dry ground. Dry ground in the midst of the Jordan. And all Israel was passing over on dry ground until all the nation finished passing over the Jordan. That's, that's dramatic. It's amazing. And it rings so many bells. The Exodus is in view here for sure. And dramatic things happened the moment the priests put their foot in the water. The moment they said, we're going. And all the water was bottled up. Nothing flowed into the Jordan. It became dry ground. And I've read all kinds of stories about earthquakes and how this can happen and all of the winds and all this. I don't know how God did it. It doesn't matter. He did it at the exact time Israel needed it done. God did what he said, and they trusted in his power. It had been 500 years since he'd given this promise to the patriarchs that I'm going to give you that land. 40 years of wandering, and here they are. And God said yes to his promise. And so they crossed over dry land because they trusted. And it's hard to put ourselves in that position, isn't it? Because it's so long ago, and it's a foreign place, and but we do know one thing, that trust is hard. And I could think of so many places in my life that trust is just hard. But there are rewards for trust. And when we do say yes to God, He blesses that yes. For Israel, it meant that they were finally into the promised land. But they were committing themselves to struggle. They would face serious enemies. Armies, chariots, fortified cities. If you read the Old Testament, they're not always going to walk with God. They're going to go bad. But they're in the promised land because of God's promises, and they're going to inherit the land in the end of the day. And for us, when we say yes to God, what do we get? We get more of Jesus. We, we learn to trust Him and walk with Him in a deeper way, and He changes us. And he uses us to build his kingdom. The blessings are amazing. So Israel gets Yahweh and the promised land, and we get Christ and paradise. What a blessing that is. But we need to trust him boldly. We need to walk across the Jordan River of our own lives. The Jordan River of what God has called Ridgewood to do. So Ridgewood, I ask you this morning, will you trust 
God boldly. Will you trust God boldly? Because waiting on the other side are people that need Jesus in the worst way. I had a wonderful conversation this week with a guy in my office who was telling me, you know, we've got to reach those people right over there across the parking lot. I go, I know. And we've got to reach those people in the schools. I go, I know. That's what's waiting on the other side. Children that, that will be willing to give their kids to us for a period of time on Sunday mornings because they look around and they trust what they see. It's clean. It's safe. People are excited, they're joyful, and we get to tell their kids about Christ, and then we get to minister to the parents. A possible preschool, we can generate decades full of children that are learning about Christ. And our senior population, I mean, a lighted parking lot that's safe. This morning I got all kinds of amens on that. That's the biggest amen I've gotten in six months was that parking lot thing. But it's true, because they can come and they can engage and they can learn about others and then a larger elevator so we can help the disabled people of our church and it's amazing what will happen. And then the groups that use the building. I, I think you'd be surprised how many groups use our building during the week. You know, we've got um, homeschool groups and we've got BSF and we have MME bringing kids here, hundreds of them. We have Al-Anon, we have AA We've got all kinds of stuff happening here. We want to be a community center. But we need to look like one and act like one and have something that's presentable. And then we need to grow the church. This whole thing about Illuminate isn't just about the building. It's about growing our budget. It's about growing our church so we can have critical mass. And for Abe and Melissa and other missionaries, we can have more to give them as we reach our community. But it will take bold faith. It takes bold faith to become a headquarters for church planting and outreach when you haven't even seen one done yet. But I'm asking you to trust. I was talking to a lady who came to church a couple of weeks ago who hadn't been to Ridgewood for a long time. And here's where her comment was that I thought was really interesting. She said, Man, she goes, I walk in the door, I felt energy, I felt excitement. I was loved on, I liked the service, but I never would have known from the outside. Interesting. So that's why we're paying attention to aesthetics. And I have had people ask me, well, what, is, what does the building have to do with reaching the community? What is that? Because, you know, when a young family comes with a child, they do pay attention to the surroundings. And so we need to be careful of that, and we need to pay attention to that. And so here's the challenge. The future is right in front of us, but we need God to help us. And so if you have already pledged to illuminate, thank you so much for pledging. We're going to do all this together in three weeks, but I want you to pray, please, about getting involved. Wendy and I have prayed and prayed and we've never pledged like we've pledged and if God doesn't come through, we're in trouble, but we're confident that he will. So, may I boldly ask you to become involved with Illuminate. Will you please pray 
about what it might look like for you to enter into our journey that will take us across our Jordan and into our community and beyond. Can you imagine a future where, where we can look down from heaven a hundred years from now and see 10 or 15 churches that were planted that are, that are dutifully preaching the gospel in a culture that's gone anti-gospel, that we can look overseas and we can see more missionaries, that we're not going to do it if we just stay where we are now. So will you please pray? Please, please pray. And I will tell you that the experience that the Israelites had is proof to us that God will bless us if we're willing to trust him even if we can't see the other side. Let me pray. God, thank you so much for giving us hope and vision and giving us a church full of people that are generous and kind and gracious. And God, help us to walk in unity together through whatever you have for us because we don't know the other side. And so I just pray, God, that you would use us to make a mark for the kingdom. Use us to to help people go from death to life through the exclusivity of your presence in their lives. God, we just want to be used by you. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for joining us on the Ridgewood Church Podcast. We encourage you to receive the message that was just given and let the Lord do a mighty work in and through you. For more information on how to connect, give to this ministry, or for more faith-based resources, visit us at myrwc.org.